what we've got here is failure to communicate. From sunny Southern California, we bring you Meet Bridget, a podcast for building confident communication and female badassery. We spotlight women who have bridged the gaps in their lives by building strong relationships and speaking their teenage dreams into reality. Once you start doing the soul searching, you will start to see right flies and you will start to attract people that are genuine and seen. And so 100%, yeah, I'm, I'm very intuitive, very sensitive. Hi, and welcome back. We're so excited to be on another interview episode today. Kashia and I have both fed our babies right before recording, <laughs> and there may be some, some babies on the track. They're not cats. They're actually children. <laughs> They're actually children, contrary to what they might sound like at this point. But I think in it's kind of in, in great form. Our guest today has two four-year-olds of her own. So in the spirit of motherhood and making it all happen, we will just jump right into it. So Jen Chen is my teammate at the luxury residential real estate brokerage, the Daftarian Group here in Orange County. And as a Southern California native, Jennifer Chen has always had a second nature sense of the coastal lifestyle. She uses a no-nonsense approach and an upbeat and positive attitude to capture buyers and sellers' key points and interests. Jen is fluent in English and Mandarin, so her clientele is both local and international. And this makes her an indispensable asset to our DJ team. Jen has assisted her mom in the real estate business for the last 20 years. She prides herself in being direct and honest, and she loves to make meaningful connections with people, our kind of gal. Whether you're purchasing or selling a home, and no matter how complex a transaction may be, working with Jen and the Daftarian group as a whole means that it will be a positive experience for everyone. The majority of massively successful real estate agents have a keen entrepreneurial spirit, and Jen is no exception. Prior to working in real estate, Jen started a cake pop business, and we are excited to get into her choice to pivot. She is also a single mother of twin four-year-olds, Shelby and Mia. She is an all-around rock star, to say the least. Welcome to meet Bridget Jen Chen. We're so excited to have you. God, we can't wait so much for having me. This is really exciting for us. So we want to jump right in. We usually start with formative youth experiences, and then we get into the nitty-gritty of how you found and established success and created trajectory for yourself. Asha mentioned in your bio, you are a Southern California native. Can you take us back a little bit and tell us about Jen as a young girl and a teen and, and what you might have been like? Yeah, of course. First and foremost, I want to thank you guys so much for having me on the show. When you guys were describing it, it was like kind of mind-blowing to hear it out loud of like, wow, is that really what I am, you know? <laughs> So, you know, going back to your question of taking back of, you know, where I grew up and young child, I was born in Cerritos, raised pretty much in L.A. County by my grandma. Uh, my dad was always working international, so never around really. And my mom was working full time. So realistically, you know, my grandma really raised me. So I'm a California girl in the sense where I grew up in California, right? So I connect with locals, but at the same time, um, when I do business and when I, you know, I look at different energies and peoples and their souls is I have a very old soul. So the way I handle situations, is kind of more from maybe it's being raised from my grandma or something. So I kind of look at things in a different kind of perspective. Uh, I look at it more from a, from outside and a big picture of things versus like focusing on one, one thing. 
What um what lines of work were your parents in? So my dad, you know, it's funny enough, my dad actually does something similar to what I do now. And so he worked in uh, China and kind of assisting, you know, clients over there, kind of being this all-around person because he spoke good English and translated, dealt with paperwork, things like that. He did a lot of business in like technology and the computer business. So he did that um, growing up. And then my mom actually worked for 99 Rand Market corporate offices. From there, she got her real estate license just because she was getting ready to buy a house. And from there, that's how she kind of made these social connections along the side with her work. And that's how she kind of became this, you know, real estate agent as well. That's interesting to me that, um, you know, you're like, well, she got her license because she was, you know, about to be ready to buy her own house. And I think that that's how a lot of people in the real estate industry kind of get started. You know, as we know, and as we kind of see in a lot of these TV shows and stuff, like the barrier to entry to become a real estate agent is pretty low. You take the test, you have to study and like, take the classes and the test, but it's not like the hardest test in the world. So I feel like a lot of people can get their licenses. And sometimes like it is just a nice thing to have if you're going to try to buy a house and you just want to know what that landscape is. But then those that actually stick it out and work in the industry for a long period of time, it takes a little bit of resilience for sure. In your bio, we mentioned that your, your mom had been in the industry for a long time. Once she started working in real estate, what was your impression of her growing up? Like, how did you kind of see your mom in that industry? If anything, the way I see her connecting with people, my mom, the way she connects with people is that she's kind of like a straight, direct, it's about doing the right thing. And that's how I was always taught. And that's how, you know, when I was born to this world, I just felt like I had a bigger purpose in life. And, um, you know, my mom... And dad, my grandma, the way I was raised and the way I've seen things growing up is no matter what, you kind of do the right thing, right? And so that's really how she brought in clientele because you see in this business, a lot of real estate agents are kind of out for the check, right? It's just like for the money, it's commission. Growing up, I've seen her, it's that people really trusted her, you know, trusted her advice. She was very simple. She was very direct. Um, maybe paperwork, she wasn't the best at things and like little things like that, which I'm similar at the same time, but that's how I really assisted her. But watching her, how she would talk to other agents and how she would talk to her clients and other people, just being friendly and approachable, direct and um, sincere. I think that's really what I learned and what I took from it. Yeah, totally. Did you have any siblings or anything growing up? Yes, I have an older brother, four years older than me. By the time I entered freshman year of high school, he already went to college. Right when I entered high school, he actually went to Berkeley. And then from there, he went to Peace Corps for about two, three years. And then he went to law school. Long story short, you know, it was always kind of left to me to just kind of help manage the household with me and my mom and like my family stuff. So I think at a young age, I was able to really take on this responsibility and um, learn how to manage things. It sounds like your brother was like definitely an achiever. And you are too. But it sounds like his path is maybe a little bit more, um, you know, I have a sister that also went to law school. And I feel like, especially in the early years during your education and professional training, that path is very linear, you know, and structured. Knowing what I know about you now and your kind of entrepreneurial outlook and experiences, that's not always so linear. So can you tell us a little bit about like, you know, growing up with your brother and if you felt any differences between the two of you or similarities? 
Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, growing up, I think everyone considered me as a black sheep in the family. You know, I wasn't really um, going, you know, that direct path of like becoming a doctor or like doing things. I wanted to do something that made me happy. It didn't really matter for me based upon the money or the life I wanted to live. It was just about something where I was excited to wake up and go to work every day or just going to school. For example, you know, when I went to college, I excelled in all of the classes where I respected the professors. And like, I really, so I did amazing there. And then for some other classes, if I didn't have any intention for it, then I was okay to just like fail or not, you know, do it. So I definitely was a black sheep. I I think I still am now, but let's just say we're more of like a, you know, not black, we're a coffee color now. (laughs) (laughs) You're in like a a whole meme of black sheep, like the thing that you're like black yeah yeah Yeah. Um, but I think going back to what you were saying about how your mom saw business and some of those those traits that you draw from her having trust and like building trust with your clientele being at like the heart of everything you do I really think that that's something that Paul and Lily Deftarian are you know founding members of our, our brokerage have really identified in though they're like team members from all different industries and backgrounds what I've realized is every team member really is like at the heart, like is a person that's going to do the right thing, you know, and that they're in the business, not necessarily like, obviously like we all want to make money and kick butt, but when it comes down to it, it's like, we want to do the right thing and, and right. help people. Right. right. And no, you know, no one's perfect. Right. But I think at the end of the day, like I read somewhere where a connection, it cannot be taught. You just have it. And I think when you bring back to the Daftarian group and our team, you see each and every one of us, we just kind of have it, right? You kind of just have this um, this mindset and this uh, bigger purpose where we really are there to advise people and help people make the best decisions wholeheartedly. So that's where, you know, we come from. I love that. I also, it's, it's kind of apparent in your description of yourself as a student, how you would pick, not pick and choose, but just naturally do better in some classes where you respected the professor or you were really interested in the subject matter whereas the ones that like didn't really pique your attention you just kind of like were okay to not necessarily pay attention to I kind of laugh at that because I feel like it's a trait of somebody who's discerning about the information that they're taking in I think that that translates to how you're describing how you do business now as a real estate agent right right yeah it's interesting you know you mentioned that but I just think exactly like for me, it's all about quality, right? Mm-hmm. It's all the quality time and the quality of people, quality of communication and learning. So I think sometimes when we get older and we learn and we become more self-aware, you know what your good points are, you know what your weak points are. We could work on all of them. But for me, at the end, it's, it's just the quality of time. Because when you become a mom, it's like you don't have time at all. Like, <laughs> There's no time. So you yeah. really want to spend your energy and time on literally quality. As yeah. As yeah, I think we can, we'll, we'll come back to this, um, you know, later in the interview. But I, I think that that's such a good point about, you know, motherhood and, and working motherhood. And I was so worried about, will I be able to be good at work you know, once I'm a mother? And what's that going to look like? Am I going to not be as effective? And what I've experienced, especially settling into motherhood, it's like two, is that it's like, I actually feel the time that I'm dedicating to work, I'm way more laser focused and driven because of them and because of just the scarcity of time. So I love that point that you made. Can you tell us a little bit about like 
being a young woman, a, a teenager, did you have any really like pivotal or formative experiences as a teen? You know, successes, failures, trauma, anything that you think really shaped you? Yeah, for sure. I think, um, you know, I think everyone, you know, has a story, right? And I've always encouraged people to recognize the failures and successes and the trauma because without those themes, exactly what you said, it doesn't shape us to who we are today. It's all about perspective. And so I think high school as a young girl, I was very much because I had so much responsibility at such a young age for the family and, you know, kind of taking care of certain people. I think I was a very much a people pleaser. So I would just want to do whatever it takes just to make sure things are calm and cool with everything, whether it be friends, family, situations, work. The problem with that is um, a good side of it is you're kind and genuine and you want everyone to be happy. The negative part of that is that you end up attracting a lot of people that will use you and take you for granted and take advantage of you. And, you know, through this whole, I mean, I'm still going through this journey and really self-reflecting and learning about myself of healthy boundaries and what enough is enough and um, learning about myself individually. And it's not about other people's happiness. It's about my own first. A while ago, I would think that's so selfish, right? But I believe this. Just like when you go on an airplane, what does the tourist say? Put the air bag on your face first before you put it on your children and put it on like other people. I would always help others before I help myself. And then what would happen is you slowly start to lose yourself, right? So the trauma and all the histories, you know, I date a lot of, you know, I, this goes to like the young listeners, you know, going through heartbreak, dating boys, wondering if you're good enough, guys cheating on me, um, guys using me, you know, and I think all of that has really shaped me up until who I am today, because now that I'm a mom, I really see things so clearly because it really, and I always say this, like, thank God that I have my twin girls because they really have saved me from myself and have taught me of how I should respect myself and how worthy I am, because that's what I would expect for them to look for themselves. And so that's kind of, yeah, where I'm coming from. Yeah, it sounds like, you know, our, our children are, you know, their own little, little beings. But I think that like, whether you expect it or not, they can kind of be mirrors a little bit to yourself. And it's like, I would never want her thinking this, this or that about herself. And then you realize you're like, but I told myself that, like, yeah. where, how would I talk to my daughter if I knew that some of these like negative self-talk or narratives are going through her brain like how would I talk to her and it can really like give you a nice a nice mirror to to how you're treating yourself which really it's a virtuous cycle it helps you be a better mom for sure, um, for sure. can you tell us a little bit about college or like early jobs that you had like kind of like your early career moves and just being out in the world Totally. So, you know, in high school, um, I remember I was 15 years old and then I just told my mom I wanted to, I just wanted to work. I wanted to be able to buy my own clothes. I wanted to buy whatever I wanted. And she's like, okay, if you want to work, you know, there's this like Chinese bakery that was like probably illegal to pay $5 at that time for like $4, right? And I was working 12 to 14 hour shifts, but it was my first job. My mom walked me in. And I just told the lady I want to work. You know, at that time, I didn't even understand Chinese that well because I understood it. But to speak, it, I still wasn't super fluent. 
But I remember having to recognize certain numbers and certain letters on the cash register because it was a Chinese bakery. So mm. 15 and a half, go in at 6 a.m. in the morning, you know, the first time ever I cleaned the toilet. I mean, it was like crazy, packaged thousands and thousands of, you know, bread. And so I just, at a young age, I was like, I just wanted that control to be able to buy what I wanted and wanted to have for myself. Right. And so, you know, high school, I kind of, you know, I worked and then, you know, I grew up in LA. I had a good group of friends, but because like what I said, studying while in school, that wasn't really my forte. Right. So I didn't do as well in junior high. So when I went into high school, um, actually, because junior high was in all honor classes, high school, I kind of started hanging out with the wrong crowd. My mom actually took me out <laughs> sophomore year of high school, second semester. So it wasn't like I got to even finish. Like, my mm-hmm. second semester, it kind of was like, oh, okay, this is not a good area. Let's get out. Put me into private school, thinking that it would be a lot better. Actually, it was polar opposite, um, this private school, because it was, you know, a lot of kids where the parents were not around, but had a lot of more money. And when the parents aren't around, there's all more money, you know, it opens up to a lot more other things, right? And so for me, the thing is, I just knew that wasn't me. Like, I just, I just never was into that. So it kind of, interesting in love, it kind of pushed me opposite of like, like, I actually like went into like this drug field, like school. But I like actually got scared of it. So I went polar opposite of that. So I was always kind of this like wallflower loner, you know, in high school. And all these kids, you know, went to high school there. They all, you know, got into great colleges. I applied for like five or 10 different schools. I wanted to be a um, art designer, like graphic design. Went to Pasadena Art Center for summer camp and then um, realized that wasn't for me because I think with art, I realized I like it as creative, but not as someone could criticize my work, you know? So I was like, this isn't my, you know, territory. So got into Cal State Long Beach, went there, uh, majored in communications. And then when I graduated, you know, I kind of was like, I wonder what I should do. And I was like, I love kids. And I was like, I think I'm a story teacher. So it's crazy because as we were driving around, me and my mom recently, she's like, isn't that funny? that you were in this area 10, 15 years ago and just back again, you know, like. Yeah, full circle. Full circle, you know, because I was here when I was like, went 19 and then worked out here and then left and did my thing and now I'm 35. So I'm back here again and my kids went to Montessori. <laughs> so you yeah, love it. Yeah. Well, I'm just like over here kind of giggling to myself because I feel like the skill set to be a, a Montessori teacher of young children like it is actually a very valuable skill set when it comes to dealing with some of these transactions. <laughs> you know, once the beginning of the wire and stuff, it's like we all have like inner, you know, kindergartners that come out when we're stressed out, especially when it comes to like buying and selling homes. It can get really personal. So I just, I just made me giggle from like the skills all the time. <laughs> you have to let them be themselves yeah. <laughs> while still guiding them in the correct direction. Exactly. And well, I, like I think that was. That's what yeah. it is to be an advisor. It's like at the end of the day, you're working for your client. Like if your client says, no, this is what I want to do. We're just there to make it happen. But then it's like walking that fine line between like, I'm here to like help you do what you want to do when I can chime in and give like some advice or insight or whatever I will. But at the end of the day, like I am your advisor. So I love very Montessori. <laughs> <laughs> 
I love hearing your trajectory because it's so different from your brother's. Like it's it's non-linear, but it's in, you know, you can kind of see where this direction is going, even though you might not have known it at the time, at the time you were seeking out things that that were fulfilling to you. But it sounds to me like you were always very self-assured in a way and very industrious. Like you just had this natural drive, like you you knew you wanted to work, you knew that you wanted to go in a direction of something that was like, that felt right to you as opposed to doing something that somebody told you to do. Right. Do you have any insight as to like where, where this sense of purpose or this inner drive started to come from? Was it like from your relationship with your grandma or did your parents do a great job of fostering it? Or is this just something you, you had? You know, that's, that's a great question. And I'm still trying to figure that out for <laughs> at this age of like, where did this come from? Is this my natural, you know, instinct or is it kind of like a fight or flight mechanism? Right. And I think growing up, you know, my parents were amazing, wonderful, love was there. However, I do feel because uh, maybe my dad and my brother were not around and my mom is definitely more soft-spoken. Uh, he is the youngest of four. You know, I joke about this and I make fun of her all the time is that, you know, she's you know, in her 60s now and she has like a oldest sister, which is my great aunt who lives with us, um, who is 18 years older than her. So she's like, what, 90? She still cooks for my mom. So, <laughs> you know, we joke around. It's really cute. So I think that could kind of give you an idea to see mindset wise, right? Kind of of how to bar. So I think for me, I was kind of thrown into a situation where there was no one else to rely on but myself. And that was kind of it, you know? And so looking back at everything now, I did have this drive in the sense of, yes, I wanted the the control to like buy things that I want to do like that. And I, I literally give kudos to my mom where she did not spoil me. It was more just kind of like, listen, if you want it, I'm not gonna buy it for you. Like, and then I'm just thinking, okay, I have to think of other options because, like, you know, no one's gonna help me. Yeah. I think, I think for me, I'm still, like, realizing and kind of learning about myself is, is this, like, where I was born into this world? Like, yes, I want this amazing, like, strong, hard work. You know, I think for me, it's a balance. I think I was put in the situation for a purpose. But let's say if I, it was opposite where I had everything I needed, I could be honest and probably say maybe I wouldn't be who I am today. So I'm super grateful for all of the highs, the lows, the trauma, the situation, because it has created a self-confidence for myself to really just know like I could handle anything. Yeah, for sure. So you said you were teaching for about five, was it five years? Mm-hmm. What was it that made you um, leave that field? eventually and what did you do next good question so for me i look at myself every two to three years naturally as human beings i believe we should always evolve right and i just see myself after the third year of something and this has been kind of a history of my situation even with friendships and people or relationships if it doesn't evolve and keep growing and continuing to become better i will leave it and do something else you know so the way I did it was when I started, you know, the way I got that job was I needed an internship. I got certified as a Montessori teacher. The owner really liked me. She owned four of the top schools in Irvine. And then she hired me to become a toddler assistant teacher. Did that for about a year. 
Then I um, gradually moved up to becoming the co-teacher. After a co-teacher, then I was a head teacher, so I had my whole classroom. So I think from there, after the third or fourth year, I started to see myself, okay, I need to keep advancing. Can I do administration? Can I do something else? And, you know, the thing with teaching is a lot of the people that are there, it's like 20, 30, 40 years. You know, you almost have to just keep waiting in line until you get the opportunity. And I just saw myself seeing, okay, I've already like reached the top in the situation. Um, it's time for me to move on and do something else. Um, at that time, you know, I had just gotten married and we had an opportunity to open our own business, um, which is the ice cream shop business you talked about. It was called um, Pop Bar, but it was like pretty much, it sounds like cake box, but it's actually gelato pops, but it's on a stick. From there, I was able to, you know, kind of go into this field and learn how to manage my own business and manage a team of like young, you know, adults and kind of grow from there. So I did that for three years, then kind of fell into this real estate business. I love it. I mean, that seems like such, something so different, you know, to kind of like do like teaching and then working in the ice cream shop and then switching to this. I mean, do you see similarities or kind of like a common thread among those those like three roles yeah you know when I look at all three roles the biggest purpose out of all of them and what brought me the most joy was being able to give advice and being able to impact someone some way or the other so as a teacher for children toddlers two to three years old I always say that they taught me more than I've ever taught them because as you see you know our little kids and you see just that youthful spirit of this genuine sweet happy and like enjoying the little things I think we should forever always have that right but that at the same time they rely on us to guide them and teach them responsibility and safety and things like that then I go into my ice cream business same thing I mean I had a team of 12 kids that ranged I wouldn't say kids young adults but they ranged from ages 18 to 23 and they all stayed with me for three years and um, they never left. And it wasn't like they made money. It was, and I mean, the job was grueling. You have to wash dishes all the time. You had to like clean individuals. It was like long hours where sometimes people would not even come to the store. So you're just standing there, you know? So yeah. it wasn't like a such, it wasn't the work that made them stay. I know for a fact it's because of the environment that I provided them and the guidance and just being able to be there to listen to them and help give advice and like when they're asking me and building that trust in the relationship, right? So then you move forward to real estate and that's still what I do. Like, yeah, I'm selling houses and I help people purchase, but it's even more of an intimate personal thing because you're talking about someone's like life, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, overall, it's such a big purchase. So it's the same thing, creating that connection, the trust, the friendship with the client and you really guiding them and helping them. Sometimes they listen, sometimes they don't. But at the end of the day, it's like being a parent. Like we're always going to be there for you, but we just do that. So it's, it's, it's what a great question because I thought about that, all these three things, it's all the same. I really love hearing the trajectory of that and how you just laid the groundwork across three seemingly very different careers and, you know, jobs. 
but yet you had this ability to continuously make these connections with everybody that you had worked with or had working for you. It sounds like you lean a lot on empathy and, you know, really listening to your clients and or your employees in order to create these really meaningful connections. Would you agree with that? Do you have any like guidepost beliefs that drive that desire or that need? Or is this just something that you've continuously built upon throughout your career? Um, hundred percent. You know, you hit the nail right on the dot. It's empathy, right? Being, you know, I do feel like I am very super sensitive uh, to certain people's energies and understanding and just really relating. I think my intention, right? My whole theme in life is living intentions. And I think my whole intention is when I meet someone is how am I able to, because making someone else happy or helping them, that truly makes me happy. What happens is if you don't love yourself and you're not aware of like the skills that you have, you will attract a lot of people that come out that is um, not as genuine, right? And the end, I'm taking all of this, you know, giving. But once you start doing the soul searching and really um, healing, you will start to see red flags and you will start to attract people that are genuine and the same. And so 100 percent. Yeah, I'm, I'm very intuitive, very sensitive. And I think at the same time, I love people. But it's funny because sometimes I'm always joking that like if I go to a party, I'm hiding upstairs, you know, <laughs> like I it's really hard for me to connect with a room full of like five, like 10, 15, 20 people. Mm -hmm. Whereas I love like the most I can have is maybe three people in a room and I'm able to fully be calm and like be myself because I really care about substance and, you know, deep, meaningful conversations. I can totally relate to that. You know, where it's like, I also like part of me feels like I could stand on a stage in front of thousands of people and like I'm fine there because it's like I can like pull it together and like send a message or or share my truth in some way. But then it's like that fine line. I'm like, when it comes to like a party, like I'd rather be like one-on-one -on -one with people or in a small group than mm -hmm. really trying to be like life of the room or anything. It's like, I think it has to do with the meaning that you draw from one-on-one -on -one meaningful connection, but then also kind of that people pleasing thing too. Because if you were to seek to really like please everyone in a room, it's impossible, you know? Yeah. One thing I've been kind of experiencing is I'm still relatively, you know, new to the real estate industry. I'm on like a kick-ass team, but I think that everyone on our team is a is a people pleaser. I've found that in especially in like some of the early transactions and interactions with clients, that if you you don't continuously like fill up your own cup, I would have times where it's like, oh, I felt like I messed something up or I I wanted something to go a certain way and then it like didn't go the way I wanted. And then like you look at the bigger picture and it's like, oh, okay, actually like that not happening that way brought a better buyer to the table or, you know, this actually built trust with that client. Then we had a, a listing come out of it or, you know, there, there's always like a bigger plan. But sometimes I feel like when you're not grounded in your own like sense of abundance and worth, if you're trying so hard to please someone and you feel like you even failed slightly to do exactly what you wanted to do for them it can really shake you a lot. And like real estate is such, it's not like a regular paycheck kind of business. It's like you'll put in so, so much work and then you'll have these like pops of, you know, income. Can you tell us a little bit about how you like, you smooth that curve for yourself and keep yourself steady yeah. even though, you know, real estate is really like ebbs and tides. Yeah. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, same thing like my first year, I want to say the first year and a half, two years, it was kind of like go, like get whatever deal that's happening, like get work with whoever you want and work like I was just like, it was like a fire or flight, you know, um, I'll, I'll kind of give like something short. So when we left the ice cream business, pretty much like we had to close it. It wasn't making money. And so we were really left with nothing, you know. So again, you know, back was up against the wall and I went into this fire or flight mode where there literally was no option to fail. Like I had twin babies at that time to feed. My ex wasn't working at that time. And so I really was like, I just got to survive. You know, that is a big traumatic situation that happened because during that time, I just remember like, I'll, I'll go into even details of having to sell almost like everything that we had. And not a lot of people know these stories because, you know, one side, I didn't have that confidence to really share this because I think I was so embarrassed, right? But this is an embarrassing because I was able to walk out of the situation where, you know, I had to sell my wedding rings. I had to sell a lot of the gold that, like, my grandma gave me. I had to sell things that just because we had to make ends meet and I could not not pay my staff, you know, because the work. And I had to sacrifice because I knew, okay, I have to figure it out. Like, there's no other way, you know? So that happened. We had to, you know, close the store. And then, um, you know, we actually, I literally had to go get assistance. And, you know, for a few months, then this we closed right before uh, COVID, so it's like wow. you know, yeah. And um, I just remember working and going up to people at Fashion Island, talking to whoever I can at open houses. I just didn't care. It was like guns blazing. Like I need to just make money to like feed the kids. And the one biggest thing, this takeaway that I learned from this was I remember being at the lowest part. Uh, we had. The last $20, my babies probably were, oh God, like what, five months old at that time when we moved back to my grandma's house. And then um, I had the last $20 cash, like literally no joke. We had nothing. And, um, you know, a normal person would be like, okay, like, you know, it's 20 hours, like, what should we do? Like, with or like, say, I don't know. You know what I did, which, you know, it's kind of comical at this point now, but I just knew, like, I believed in myself so wholeheartedly that I was like, I'm going to take this $20 and I'm going to go eat sushi <laughs> by myself. It's like kind of funny and selfish, but kind of crazy at the same time. But I'll tell you why I did that. Because when I went to go enjoy, because sushi, when you look at sushi, it's a very expensive meal, right? And it's not something that you could eat a ton of. It's only a little bit. $20 gets you maybe like seven or eight pieces. For me, I just, something so simple like that, I took my last $20 and I was like, this is not going to be the last time I eat sushi. Like this will be the time where I'm going to live this life where I don't ever have to worry about this is my last $20 and nothing in the bank, you know? So did that by myself and I, re I write, wrote down five things that I was going to accomplish in 2021, I believe. And I did it, but you know, a lot of people do these manifestation journals and like quotes and like pictures and mine is like very simple. And like, I really encourage everyone to do this. I just put in words, simple words. First word, I, I still have it. Uh, these letters, I keep it every year because I've been doing it for three years now. My first year I wrote, the first one I wrote was um, Lush. <laughs> you know, Lush, the Lush store with the bath bombs. <laughs> I remember we had no money, but going into there, with the twins, I remember thinking, I am going to get to a point where I can buy these 
lush bombs that are disposable that are five dollars bath bomb right mm-hmm. and i will get to a point where i can get this and bathe and enjoy it as a luxury so i wrote lush that's literally that number two wrote i have nothing but i have everything and I could tell you this, at that time, we literally had nothing, but we had everything. We had our kids. I had a place to stay. You know, we had our health. We had, um, you know, assistance that, like, I went out to get. When you solve it all up, it's be grateful. Having nothing, but you have everything. And number three, I just said that I was going to close $10 million in sales. I don't know how I was going to do it, but I was going to do it. And at that point, I had zero. <laughs> zero. And then it took me about nine months. And then I accomplished all three. Yeah. Uh, I love, we haven't even like talked in detail. I mean, I've, yeah. I've heard a lot of the bullet points about your path and we've had like our lunches and stuff together, but I love this image of you going to get sushi and just being like, listen, okay, this is in a sense like my rock bottom, but it also like, it's such a visual of you just being like, I'm going to just adopt this abundance mentality, which is really what it, it was. You're like, I'm going to have sushi. I'm going to savor it. I'm taking yeah. care of myself. And I, I, you know, got command of this ship. And just writing down those things that you really like just saw for yourself, it does go to show you that it's like when you set your heart on something and create a vision for yourself, it's like, and people like describe this like law of attraction and everything like the world just gives you things. Once you like write them on paper and it's like, yeah, but it also, I think it just like represents that commitment. I like the idea of you are such an industrious person and um, that visual is so just like your eyes on things that you went after them. It's the perfect example of manifestation, like as a practice, because you didn't just like put it out into the world and you're like, oh, I'm going to make $10 million in sales. But you actually like wrote it down as like an outline of your life. And I love that it was so simple. There wasn't like a full diatribe of like X, Y, Z, this. It was just like, no, this is something I'm going to do. And so it becomes very like do or die, like sink or swim, you know, and you clearly did it with like time to spare and everything. Because I mean, when you think about the start of COVID to now, it's like that just happened. But yet it was like two years ago, two years ago, three years ago now. So it's wild and it's also just such a huge accomplishment and it just speaks to how hard you work and how much you take the things that you visualize for yourself and that you visualized for your girls and set them into real life motion. Because like $10 million worth of sales doesn't just fall on somebody's lap. Like No, and yeah. I, it was like a pretty specific number too, like all those points. It's like, Okay, lush is like represents like abundance. Like you're not about abundance mentality that I have nothing and I have everything is gratitude. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't when came in with a, a gratitude mindset. And number three was like a very specific, I, I don't even want to say like target or goal. It was yeah. like a truth, you know, yeah. that you're like I will make this yeah. happen. And with that, those three things, it's like, how could you not? Can I also interject that like one of our favorite things at Bridget is connection and that's that is like your entire like mantra for success. <laughs> no, it's like when Austin emailed me or texted me was like, Jen, like, are you open to like interviewing? Like it's funny, Austin, remember when I DM'd you like long time ago? No, mm-hmm. I would love to you know, and you didn't see that DM, but it's yeah. I almost think it's a blessing because at that time 
I don't think I would have been ready to be as open and honest and share kind of a lot of the things I've been through. And mm-hmm. so, like, the fact when you email me, like, yeah, you're like, oh, my God, like, do you think I want to do that? I was so, like, honored and excited and, like, really happy because that was one of my manifestation goals for this year. Realistically, for 2022, I wrote it last year was I wanted to impact or help somebody some way through my life and my story. And can I tell you this? When I wrote this, I haven't even gone through my stuff like last year. Like, cause I left, you know, long story short, like I wrote this last January, right? I didn't leave my ex until end of last year, but I already knew that beginning of the year for this year, what I wanted to do is help someone through my story. And I kind of think like, my story is still continuing. And so, yeah. So thank you again for having me. I'm really honored and really blessed. We, I mean, we love this and we love how open and transparent you've been about being a single mom. And I think that these stories are especially beneficial to our listeners who are still looking to land somewhere. And I think everyone sort of has that in them, like even the most successful of people, like everyone's sort of searching for like their place to land, like what they envision themselves to be, especially for women and people like us who even when you're performing at the top of your game, you're still looking at like what the next goal is going to be or like, okay, now that I've reached this point, like how do I grow and evolve some more? So I, I mean, I especially love sharing your story with our listeners because it's, it's kind of like, hey, you don't necessarily have to have this big overarching goal coming right out of the gate. You can sort of follow your intuition and look for what fits within, you know, your system of beliefs and what fulfills you. And then you just keep going. And then even when there are these big roadblocks or these valleys that you have to walk through, there are these like nuggets of hope and, you know, of self-assuredness that you can give yourself, whether it's sitting like at a little sushi cafe and like spending your last $20 to like jot down a really simple guide for yourself on, you know, how the next year is going to go. I mean, I just think everyone needs to hear your words and just know there's no one way to do things. There's no big plan that you have to have. Like you can do things very systematically and one step at a time and be just as successful and tenacious and just, you know, come out of it really killing the game. (laughs) When I feel like in a lot of career paths that rely on connection, you know, like real estate is obviously one of those, like you're, you're constantly for clients you don't ever know where a client may come from in careers that really rely on these connections even like our podcast business like it's it really relies on us having connections to people whose stories we can help share you know with our audience you also never really know like when you're planting seeds and putting things out there like you might not get a response from someone or not get the response you were expecting or not even really know that you were like asking something that they wanted to meet but maybe at a different point, you never know the end result of what you're you're trying to do. Like failure. I always like to visualize like failing forward where it's like, okay, like I'm going to just keep putting things out there. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, what have you got to lose? So it's like, you didn't even necessarily know. It's like, we, we first talked about some of these things and I knew what you were going through. Like already in my mind, there was that seed. And I was like, you know, Jen would make a great podcast guest. You know, and and you probably didn't even know that that's like in the back of my mind. And it's, I've had the same experience with real estate clients where it's like, oh, I mentioned at one point, 
what I'm doing in real estate, my real estate philosophy. And like, you know, if I can ever help you, let me know. And then like months and months later, that person comes back to me and is like, I want you to represent me on this purchase or, you know, what have you. So I think that once you have that mentality and those big picture philosophies, like you described in the sushi bar, all the little tries that you make, they, they are aligned with what you're, you're doing and eventually will get you where you want to go. I love that you said the little tries. It doesn't hurt to try, you know, and I learned this. I remember, you know, Mia was going potty one day when she was one years old, one and a half years old, and she has issues going potty sometimes. So it's kind of hard for her. And so Shelby was there and she says, just try Mia, just try. <laughs> and I will forever remember that I'm either four now, three years ago. And that is the most simple, but it's the most direct and easy response to anybody. Just try. Yeah. Aww. Never know what will come from it. I love that. I'm like crying. Thank <laughs> <laughs> you. Wisdom out of the mouth of babe. Yeah. Yeah. Literally just try. Just, you know, and so. Yeah, it doesn't have to try. And I think it's really building our own confidence and teaching people it doesn't have to try. And so what if you feel you get back up and you try again? Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I love that you you brought up your daughters because we did want to touch on your experience of obviously like you had your, your kids while you were in the middle of a lot of transitions, starting a business that you eventually had to like look down the eyes of it and be like, this is failing. And I, I have yes. to change something, which I, I think is so important to share with our audience because I feel like podcast after our podcast talks about entrepreneurship and starting your own business, you know, and how to start and everything. And not a lot of people really cover like, well, what if you start something and you put your whole heart, all your income and everything into it and then it fails. Right. Like not a lot of people talk about like that failure moment and like, how do you pivot? And especially with the responsibility of a family and a maybe imperfect relationship. Can you talk a little bit about like your experience of your family life with all of these different changes happening and how you kind of have, you know, picked yourself back up as really a single mom managing a, you know, huge career and, and two beautiful little girls. Yeah. You know, let's talk about the failures. Let's really enjoy the failures and appreciate the failures because without those things, really, where do we learn? Those are what shapes us of who we are today, right? So I, I do encourage people, like, we should talk about it. Granted, yeah, everyone wants to talk about how great they are, successful, all these things. But let's talk about the failures because I think it's so important to really be honest that sometimes things don't work out the way you thought you wanted or pictured. And, you know, I could go into this being honest and transparent. You know, nobody gets married wanting to get divorced, right? Like, that's not like the goal in mind, right? You know, I was pretty young when I met my um, twin's dad. And I think at that time, the way I see things now is that I never had the chance to heal myself individually to really see what I was worth. And so I just think I envisioned this dream that I had, you know, even as a little girl, like we look at these Disney movies and we're just like, where's my prince? Even my girls these days are like, mommy, are you my prince? I'm like, of course I am. You know, you have like, you, you, you envision this like dream. Right. And I think for me, I was never, it's very easy in social media. It's very easy in this life to be caught up on uh, faking the fuck. Right. For me, I could honestly say I wasn't faking the fuck. But I was blinded very much so because I didn't want to believe what the truth was. The dream that I had 
in this family unit. It's like I'm kind of born and grieving this dream because um, it was actually never there in the first place, you know, but I wanted I firmly was like, no, there's no possible way this could be happening. This is still like pretty fresh, but it's like I already knew like going into it that it wasn't exactly what I thought. But, you know, I my main goal and I maybe this part was me being selfish was like I just knew ever since I was little, I was like, I wanted to be a mom. That was like my goal in life like I just was like you know and Shelby's funny because she's like she just wants to be a mom and I I just was so focused on that so having these twin girls this everything was meant to happen you know everything was supposed to happen this way though it's painful right but looking outside of it without all of these things like I wouldn't have my girls I wouldn't have my career I wouldn't have like this lost business that taught me how to manage my own business, how to manage a team, how to go through construction, how to go through, like, I mean, all these little learning lessons and learning things I will forever be grateful for. So I think, you know, going back to the question I say is like, let's talk about like what it, did you just say like what it's like to be a single mom or what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, honestly, I mean, that's, you know, most of your careers have involved this importance of connection, relationships and everything and then it's like what you thought was going to be a very foundational relationship wasn't you know and you had to pivot again you know in in your personal life so just like having gone through that pivot and like finding your feet afterwards but still taking care of these little kids and providing throughout I'm always just like so curious I mean I think because she had just had a baby too Um, I remember the second I became a mom every day I thought about how do people do this on their own how do single moms, especially working single moms, any single moms really, but like, yeah. especially working single moms, I'm like, how do they make this happen? I'm like, I, I, I can't fathom. And I have so much respect for single moms. So if you can share even just like some things about how you kind of keep yourself grounded, you're such a wonderful mom to your girls and such a great role model to them. But like you, you have to, again, like we mentioned in the very, very beginning of the interview, like filling your own cup first and taking care of yourself do you have any like rituals things that you you're trying to really just do for yourself to take care of yourself for sure so you know again the self-love portion right you know I am the mom I'm also the dad I'm also the provider I also I'm everything I'm the rules of all of it and you know one side could be like god this is tough I mean there are tough days I'm not gonna lie but then on the other side is like wow I'm able to make sure I can manage all of these things and I can do 100% in each one. And to be honest, there really is no time. There are times when I'm kind of like, wow, like, am I really doing this? Like, <laughs> is this really happening? But then there really is no time for failure for me. If I'm not the one to wake up, how are my kids going to go to school? If I'm not the one to work, how are my kids' school going to be paid for? Like, it's like all of these things. So if there's no option, I think that's a really a blessing in disguise for me. I think the self-love part is, you know, when you exit out of a long-term relationship, given my history, like I haven't been really single since I was 16. I was always in long-term relationships. It would be like 16 to 19, 19 to 23, 23 to now. And so I never had this time to really be alone. And I, I think this is really important. And when I meet you know, a lot of the nannies that help me, I'm so grateful and blessed that a lot of the teachers at their schools um, love my kids and they're able to help when I have to work late. They're all in their early 20s. And when you're in your early 20s or late teens, you're very impressionable, right? 
when I'm learning myself, because I'm rewinding back to who I was before I had my family, before my ex-husband, I was only 23. I look back and I'm really trying to figure out what I like to do. So for me, self-love is I need my alone quiet time to charge. I like to read books. I am creative, so I like to do music. And number two, the biggest thing what I've learned, and this is where I almost have to change my brain and concept of what I think love is, is when people say that that Bible saying of love is patient and love is kind, it's like I don't even know how to um, keep saying that over and over again, not to myself, but also to these young girls that are in relationships that it doesn't seem like they're getting treated as well because, you know, I was in that situation too. Love is really patient and it is kind. What's the rush? The good things take time, even with my friendships now and even with all my relationships and just in general with people, with my clients. Everything that's amazing now, it's not because I met you and we're like, oh my God, we're best friends the next day. It actually was over time of slowly building that trust, getting to know each other, building that friendship and relationship. And so I think when it goes back to being the single mom and doing all these things of self-love, it's, I'm loving it. Like, I really get to kind of reinvent myself and be like, okay, what does Jen want? What makes Jen happy? And if I'm happy, I know my girls will be happy. And I know that it's going to keep continuing on the next generation. And so that's like my main goal. I love it. Well, just these girls are so lucky. They're so lucky. And you have to like, go on her Instagram and like, just look at their adorable faces too. That's the cutest open ever. This has been so fun. Just like winding through your story and peeling back the onion a little bit. And just, you're just so real. You're so approachable and your energy is so magnetic. So I'm so glad we're having you on. We usually like to close out our interviews with like, we call it like our fast five. So we just kind of run through like five kind of quick random questions. Um, and you just say whatever, you don't have to like answer them quickly necessarily, but you just say whatever <laughs> comes to mind without second guessing yourself. So I can start with number one. What's your favorite activity to do with your twins on a weekend day? Um, I love taking them to the park and then I love taking them for ice cream. And then uh, we love to listen to music in the car together and just sing and dance. So cute. Okay, number two, what was it like closing your first real estate deal? It wasn't what I thought it would have been where it's like so exciting. It actually was more opposite for me where I'm like, okay, when's my next deal? Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was the first building block toward that 10 million, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. And I, I just think if anything, it gave me more of a push like, oh my God, I'm like, yeah. I, okay. What's my next? Now it keeps going. Yeah. It was like um. It was bittersweet. It was like wow. I'm happy, but I'm actually really. It, it freaked me out actually more because I'm like, okay, I literally need to like figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> it was no so more. Everything. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Number three. Do you have like a daily non-negotiable habit, routine, little thing you like to do every single day? Well, so for me, early morning, I wake up at five in the morning. When the house is completely quiet, girls are still asleep. I'll go to my couch and I'll listen to just like some soft like piano music. I just sit alone. It's I would say that's sort of a form of meditation, but really it's um gathering all my thoughts and um figuring out what I'm going to do today and what I want to accomplish. So that's a non-negotiable. I do that every single morning. I love that. I think that is a form of meditation for sure. Totally. Just giving yourself an opportunity to re like. Yeah, recharge and, and get yeah. set for the day. 
Okay, favorite gelato flavor. Oh my gosh, I love pistachio. Mm-hmm. That was our yeah. number one bestseller. Always get pistachio, yeah. For number five, do you have a favorite piano song to play? You know, interesting enough, when I started playing, um, it was kind of like I was still trying to find myself last year when I was like spending more time alone. And the, throughout the chaos, that was the only thing I found to calm me. And um, I learned my favorite song would be Adele, Go Easy On Me. And it's like crazy because I didn't really know the story behind that. And if you look at it, it's like kind of the same situation. It's like, you know, kind of figuring out things that do like go easy on me. But for me, I need to learn to not be so hard on myself. I love that. I am going to read off um, something that we love to close with in all of our interviews. It's one last question separate from the Fast Five. But what is one quality that you had as a young woman or girl that you didn't take pride in then, but you look back on and you're just so appreciative of now? Oh my God, what a difficult question. (laughs) I think being the calm in the midst of storm. And um, I say it like that because, you know, growing up, there were situations where there's storms. It's like thunders, a lot of chaos, right? Yeah. And um, a lot of people relied on me to be that calm, to make someone happy, to make someone laugh, and to do all these things. At that time, I didn't appreciate it then because it was very stressful. And it was like, I would be more upset because it was like so much pressure. But looking back now, I'm so grateful that I got that opportunity to really be that calm because I want to be the calm for the chaos, whatever, for anybody. And I think that is something that I look at now and that's what I'm very grateful for. I could see that being a gigantic asset to both of your girls, just having somebody who's like a pillar of calmness and just gentle energy, like I feel for me. Yeah. I I love that you say calm and not necessarily like strength or success, you know, that it's like, okay, through ups and downs, you know, we can't always feel strong necessarily, but like there's always like a heartbeat and the ability to breathe. You know, there's a sense of calm within us that we can always come back to. And I think that you've really done a beautiful job of doing that time and time again. So Jen Chen, thank you for being on. Meet Bridget. It's been an honor to hear your story. And I'll see you again in the office soon. (laughs) Thank you guys so much. Thank you so much. And that's our show. If you liked what you heard today, please like, subscribe to, follow, and share Meet Bridget with your circle. The best way to help our work here is to rate and review our podcast. We're listening and constantly working to build something helpful for you. Catch you next time. Did you have an awesome time? Did you drink awesome shooters and listen to awesome music and then just sit around and soak up each other's awesomeness?